0: Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. That's good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to see all these smiling faces. If you're visiting with us this morning, my name is Matt. Amber and I, we lead pastors here at the church, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here. I'd love to get to meet you. Shake your hand. I'll be in the lobby afterwards, uh, and I'd love to meet you. If you're watching online, um, you can also... Uh, Uh, Check us out online. I don't know if you guys know that. But if you're watching online on the internet, on our video, we know some people like to watch us before they come in and and check it out. We would like to welcome you to also come and join us here in person, right here at City Church. This morning, I want to talk to you about a story that happened from my childhood. Now, I have to put some precursors on this thing because I don't want you to judge me. I was a pastor's kid. And so the year was 1990-something, and uh, as a pastor's kid, I felt the pressure to live up both to the good side of the stereotype and the not-so-good side of the stereotype. And so I I got the opportunity to hang out with some different crowds of people, and one of these crowds of people was my neighbor who happened to live behind me. His name was Scott. Now, Scott and I, we got into a little bit of trouble every now and again. And uh, how many of you guys have ever gotten in some trouble with some friends? You got some trouble, Yeah, you guys, half of you are liars because you've all done it. You've got in trouble with your friends. And so Scott and I, we, we got in some trouble uh, every once in a while. And, uh, and one of these situations escalated to the point where it actually scared me. Uh, I got scared because of how much trouble I found myself in. And, um, and I got scared straight, if you will. So let me, let me tell you about uh, what happened. You see, Scott and I, we, we had this go-kart. And by we had a go-kart, I mean his parents bought him a go-kart. And, uh, and we started, you know, it's, of course, mine now all of a sudden. We're friends. It's ours. So he has a go-kart, and we start riding around and having fun with this thing. And anyhow, a part broke on it. And so his dad had a welder, and we welded it back together. Well, one thing led to another. We kept welding parts, and pretty soon um, we had the motor we felt was not sufficient horsepower um, for our, you know, demanding lifestyle. And, uh, and so we upped the ante a little bit, and the six-horsepower motor that came with it was no longer sufficient, so we upgraded the motor, um, and then we ended up upgrading it yet again, and, and then we, we ended up upgrading the brakes because now you have the bigger motor and the brakes, and, and so here we are, I'm in coming into my freshman year of high school, and we have now um, Frankensteined this thing together with this weird collection of parts that we found off of old cars and, and things like that. It actually had a Volkswagen Bug motor in it at the end of the day, and uh, disc brakes. <laughs> brakes on it. We put a shock absorber suspension into the bench seat, so you couldn't figure out how to do it on the actual cart, but, but so we got riding down the road on this thing, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and faster and faster, and it was just so much fun doing these things. Well, in the meantime, we also had access to some, uh, some things that kids shouldn't have access to, like, like acetylene and oxygen and gunpowder and, and things like that, and we started making our homemade fireworks. Now, homemade fireworks, they got a little bigger and a little bit stronger and a little bit fancier, and, and so we would drive around in our you know, homemade contraption. We'd light these fireworks off, and we thought we were, you know, just having the time of our lives. In fact, there was one day where we sat in the go-kart, and we just got run, done doing something crazy, and we said, man, one day we're going to tell our kids about this story, and we're going to laugh. Little did he know, or I knew, I'd be standing up here telling you guys about this story, and you'd be laughing. As we're making these homemade fireworks and lighting them off, uh, one day, um, the neighbors didn't think it was that funny, and so they they called the police. And so we come pulling back up after our day on the town, driving around, doing shenanigans, and there's police cars and fire trucks and ambulances. And, and we found ourselves in the back of a police car being interrogated and, and all this. And, and now, today's day and age, I would be a domestic terrorist at this point, I, I would think. But, but hey, it was 1990-something, and times were a little bit more innocent. But there was a wake-up call in my life. I realized, hey, I might be headed down the wrong path. I'm in the back of a cop car, and it's coming to my mind, like, this may not be the best life choices for me. How many of you guys ever had a friend that steered you in the wrong direction? And you had a lot of friends. This morning, I want to talk to you about the friends that you choose to allow to be in your inner circle. The friends that you choose to allow to be in your inner circle. We are in this series called Bridges. And and week number one, we talked about how there's a bridge between man and God. And as man tried to build the bridge from man's side to God's side, we could never get there. Every attempt we tried, we failed. But we are so grateful because God built a bridge from his side back to our side so that we could do it. We call it the cross of Jesus. And Jesus died on a cross. So God gave us a cross as a bridge. So we have a bridge that we have to cross. And so we realized that the first bridge was about realizing that we had to have been in a right relationship with God. The second bridge was that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was a bridge of forgiveness and that we have to forgive those who have done things wrong to us. You don't build the bridge of forgiveness because you think that, that they did was okay. You build the bridge of forgiveness because you want to let go of the baggage that you've been hanging on to. That's why you build the bridge of forgiveness. And the last week, we talked about the bridge of reconciliation. The bridge of reconciliation. You see, forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. Sometimes, in a, in a relationship, the damage is, is done so badly that you can't reconcile the relationship. It it happens from time to time. That's not our plan A, but occasionally that kind of things happen. But most of the time, we're called to build that bridge of reconciliation. As we talked about that last week. And this week, I want to talk to you about a bridge to nowhere. A bridge to nowhere. A bridge to nowhere. You see, every relationship takes us in a direction in life. Some relationships take us to great destinations. Others lead us to places we don't want to or need to go. The question is, where are your relationships taking you? Where are your relationships taking you? I realized that I had a relationship that was taking me to jail. And I had to end that relationship. My parents used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I quickly saw my future that day. (laughs) And I didn't like it. And so I made some changes. You know, I used to say in youth ministry all the time that friends are like an elevator. They're going to take you up or they're going to take you down, but they're not going to leave you the same. So who are your friends and where are they taking you? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It doesn't just apply to kids. It applies to adults too. My parents used to encourage and discourage certain relationships when I was a kid. And now as a parent myself, my wife and I, we also encourage and discourage certain relationships with our kids and their friends. Because we realize that the people you surround yourself with determine where you're headed to. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, okay. You guys are getting it was kind of quiet there. got, "You picking up what I'm putting down?" That's good." You know, when I was a kid, I didn't like that. They used to say, "You'll thank me later." "Hey, Mom and Dad, thanks.") <laughs> the later came. The people in your inner circle matter. The people in your inner circle matter. Some of our friends are just people that have been there, and they're not there for a purpose. If you think about and analyze your inner circle, who are your inner circle? Who are your closest friends? Are they just there because of time served? Are they just there because they've just always been there? Have you really done an inventory of your friends? A friend inventory, if you will. Sometimes you need to pause and take an inventory of your friends. Take an inventory of the people who are closest to you and say, huh, is this a godly relationship that is pointing me in a way that I need to go? Or is this a relationship that's destructive? And do I need to maybe create a little separation in this place? I know what you're thinking. Is that even Christian? Yeah, it absolutely is. In fact, Jesus modeled this exact same thing. If you look, Jesus had his crowds. He had thousands of people that would, that would come around and hear him teach. But oftentimes, you, as you read through the New Testament, you'll hear different counts and examples of things. And he had his 500 people. He had his 72. He had his 12 disciples. And inside of his 12 disciples, as the circle is getting closer on his tight-knit group of friends, he had three people who were in the midst of their, they were his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. And as you go through the scripture, you see all the time where Jesus was on mission doing something, and he would say, okay, y'all stay here, but I want Peter, James, and John to come with me. He had his inner circle. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, verse 37, we'll have some of these up on the screen. Um, we're going to jump through these ones quick. And we allow, and he allowed no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So he, he just had those three that followed him. In Luke 8, 51, it says, And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the father and mother of the child. In Luke 9, it says, And Now, how about, now about eight days after these sayings, he, Jesus, took with him Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Who is in your inner circle? who are your influencers. Who are they? Come on. Your inner circle will influence the direction of your life. Godly relationships are necessary. If Jesus needed them, you need them. Well, I'm just too busy. Jesus was kind of busy too, like saving the world and stuff. You know what I mean? Like he had some stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had time, and he made the room. Did you think he needed them to get his mission accomplished? I don't know, but he always included them in his way. He always included him along the way. Do you need somebody? I don't know, but I think that your life will have more um, fulfillment when you have your inner circle with you. In fact, I think that your purpose is tied to the inner circle that you have inside of you, your potential and your purpose, So let's look at Peter this morning, because I could go on all three of these guys, but I'm going to do an overview of just Peter and his relationship with Jesus, and so to show you, this is what an inner circle should look like as modeled by Jesus and Peter. And so I think that there's some things here that we can do. As you're building a bridge, a relational bridge with people in your life, are they just there? Are you just going anywhere? Or are you going somewhere? Have you built a bridge to nowhere, or are you building a bridge to a purpose? And so number one is this, is there's a call to a purpose. There's a call to a purpose. You see, your inner circle, the people inside of your inner circle are going to call to your purpose, not just your potential, but they're going to call to your purpose. You see, a lot of people can see the potential that's inside of you. Believe it or not, they can see it. But will they call it out and challenge you to reach for the purpose that God has put inside of your life? And in John chapter 1, verses 41 and 42, this is where... Um, Jesus is calling Peter, and it says, He first found out his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus literally changed the dude's name. He changed his name. And and, and here's why. This is kind of important. You see, Simon means wavering one. One that that is is kind of being tossed around back and forth. One that may be a little unsettled, one that has a little bit of a maybe a directional issue. You and I, of course, we've we've never encountered this in our lives, of course. But there are those people out there that, that, uh, that you know, you, you see them and you're like, hey, you know, they seem to be shifting gears. They seem a little unsettled. Maybe you've encountered that. I certainly have. I've been, myself, at times, an unsettled person where I've jumped from thing to thing. Simon was this unwavering thing. And Jesus called him Peter, and Peter means rock. Huh. Are your friends calling you by what you used to do, or are they calling you into God's purposes for your life? Are your friends and your people, are they, are they just pointing out the flaws that you've always had, or are they saying, you know what, there's a better purpose inside of you, and I want to call you out onto that purpose. You see, Simon means wavering one. Peter means rock. Jesus calls him by what he's going to be, not what he used to be. You see, God calls you to what you're going to be, not what you're used to be. Can you get some friends around you who can see the God potential in your life and call you into what you are called to be, not what you used to be? You don't need an inner circle who reminds you of your failures. You do a pretty good job of that on your own, don't you? You don't need an inner circle that reminds you of your failures. You need one that encourages you to be who you're called to be. Be who you're called to be. You are called to a purpose. Number two is this. Don't quit when you're disappointed. Don't quit when you're disappointed. Your inner circle of friends will disappoint you from time to time. But if they are a godly circle of friends and they are challenging you to grow in your faith and to achieve the potential that God has put in your life and the purpose he's put in your life, you will still have disappointments, but that doesn't mean you need to quit on the relationship. Don't abort the relationship because you have a little disappointment in your life. In Mark chapter 14, verse 32. They're going to this Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is approaching the time when he's going to be crucified. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's coming, and he's troubled. And he's like, I need to pray, and I need some people to pray with me. As they go into the garden, he tells most of his disciples, why don't you all wait over here and pray? Peter, James, and John, my inner circle, I want you to keep walking with me. And they get a little bit deeper into the garden and say, you guys pray right here and I'm going to take a couple more steps this way and I'm going to pray right here. So they went to a place called the Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all these things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, not what I will, but what you will. You see, Jesus is wrestling now with the next step in his purpose. He's wrestling. He's saying, God, is there any other way? This is like the hardest moment in his life. Up to this point, he's, he's agonizing over what the next steps mean. And he's like, and I got my homies here. I got my inner circle. I've got my posse, my clique, my crew, and they've got my back, and we're praying together. You need to have people who will stand with you in prayer. When it's time for you to be praying through something, the hardest season of your life, who's got your back in prayer? When you're saying, I'm going to pray and fast to try to get through this season, they say, hey, uh, sign me up. I will pray and fast with you. I'm going to have your back in prayer. You guys need somebody. Every believer needs somebody to be with them in this circle. He says, when you're going through this hard time and you don't have the godly person in your inner circle, they're going to talk you away from what God is calling you to do. You know, you know what I mean? When you get in that situation and that fight, and you're like, I'm going to go kill that guy. And your friends are like, yeah, you do what you got to do, boy. I got you, right? Like, you know, that, that is not a godly inner circle, right? They're like, I got you, I got, an, I, I got an airtight alibi for you, man. You do what you gotta do, you are always at my house, you know what I'm saying? No, like, like, that is not a godly, you know, a godly circle. You want your inner circle to be someone saying, hold on, hold on, let's step back just a little bit. They want someone who's pulling you back from going down that wrong path, that wrong path, where were we? We're in verse, what, 37, right? Am I right? Yeah? yeah? Okay. And he came and found them sleeping. Whoa, dude. Come on, sleeping. <laughs> and he said to Peter Simon uh-oh he didn't call him Peter oh that's like when your mama's like you know Matthew Stephen Williams like all three names you know you're <laughs> like oh <uh-oh. laughs> Simon <laughs> oh no are you asleep could you not watch one hour bro come on one hour. You don't even know what I'm about to go through. I just want you to stay awake for one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Jesus is like, can you just pray with me? And, and Peter's like, yeah, I got you. You know, Peter and, and James and John, they're like, yeah, we're going to pray with you. Now, I, if, if you ever have a hard time going to sleep, have you ever tried praying? It, like, puts you right to sleep, doesn't it? I kind of don't blame the guys, but but I kind of do, right? Because they, they're supposed to be standing there with Jesus, but but they're not, you know? And so they're praying. I imagine the first five or seven minutes, they're like, yeah, in the name of Jesus. Oh, no, no, no. Remember the, the Lord's Prayer? He taught us how to pray. So we'd start doing the Lord's Prayer, and like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and on earth as it is, Thy will be done, yeah. Thy will be done. You know how you start repeating the same thing? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thy will be done. And I'm imagining they're just kind of like drifting off, and and they're having this this hard time to to stay with the program. You know what I'm saying? And so then Jesus comes back, and he's disappointed. and, And you would like to think that they would be like, I got you. I can do this. I'm awake now. I just need a little cat nap. I'm back at it again. But as you read through the Scripture, you see it happens two more times. Two more times. Listen, your friends may disappoint you from time to time. Your inner circle may disappoint you from time to time. Jesus didn't quit on the relationship because they disappointed him. He doesn't quit on you when you disappoint him either, you know. And if Jesus didn't quit on his inner circle, you shouldn't quit on your inner circle as well. You should have an inner circle of believers who are working together to be able to challenge each other to live a godly life. And if you're quitting, when it gets tough, hmm. you know, you can address the disappointment without ending the relationship. Jesus addressed the disappointment without ending the relationship. He didn't quit on them. He addressed, hey, dude, can't you just stay awake for one hour? He was disappointed, but he didn't quit. Number three is this. You can roll with the ups and the downs. Roll with the ups and the downs. And in John 21, verse 15 through 17, we see this. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Now, i got to back up. You see, a lot's happened along the way. You see, when, when Jesus was in his last supper, he, he told him, Hey, listen, you guys are all going to run away, and you guys are all going to betray me. You're going to deny that you even knew me. And, and, and you see, Peter was the guy who says, no, I will never do that. Everybody else might do it, but not me. And if you're familiar with the story, he denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus has, has died. He has he risen from the dead. They went back out fishing. Man, when the relationship fell apart, they, when they, they got off track, when they, when they fell away, what'd they do? They, they, they actually went back to what they used to do. How many times have we just gone back to what we used to do? How many times do you need your inner circle to help you stay on focus with what God has called you to do? So here, they have finished breakfast, and Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, uh uh-oh, not the Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And then he said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him through a third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Peter was grieved. It's okay to be emotional, It's okay to have disappointments with your inner circle. It's okay to have some some emotions in there. There are times, listen, when the going gets tough, it's time to crawl closer together, not further apart. When the going gets tough, you get closer together, not further apart. Hard times, the temptation is the hard times is that you would pull further apart from those who are pursuing God with you. Sometimes your, your inner circle are the people that you need most. In fact, when your inner circle calls you on things, will you listen to them? I call it the sit down and shut up card. Who holds that card in your life? Who tells you, all right, sit down, shut up. I gotta tell you some things. You guys need that person in your life who's gonna call you on some things because when you start to drift off of the path, when you start to drift away from the Lord, when, who is there to say, hold on, back up. I know you're upset about this situation, but don't let your anger get the best of you. Come on back. No, no, no. I know that you are discouraged and you want to quit. Don't quit. Come on back. Who holds that card in your life? And I know your spouse can hold that card in your life. And that's good. I think they should. In a loving and kind way, of course. But you need somebody else too. Now, I'm, I'm the wives, I'm sure that you never deal with this, but as men, sometimes husbands, you can maybe discount what your wife is telling you, even though it's from God. I just saw some elbows. <laughs> ladies, ladies, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Sometimes you can discount, I know from, as a man's perspective, sometimes you can discount what your wife is telling you because it's just, oh, that's just my wife telling me this. Listen, that's why you need another voice in your life to, so that you can see that your wife was right all along. Yeah. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Yeah, yeah okay, that's what I'm saying. So, so you, gotta, you gotta have these people in your life who are challenging you and who are your accountability. You cannot do this alone. This is not a me and Jesus journey. It is a we and Jesus journey. That is why we must have our circle. That's why we must have it. You think about this. This is the recovery from what I would consider to be one of the most devastating blows in a relationship. The breakfast on the beach. You see, what leads up to that thing is when Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me. I'll never do it. And he goes and denies him three times what kind of a rejection is that? I mean, just what kind of rejection is that? You find yourself into a little bit of trouble, and the person who's in your inner, inner circle is like, I don't know that person. I, I don't know them. I don't know who they are. No, but I, I've seen you out there together. I Man, I walk around with all kinds of people. I got a your picture on your Instagram of, of you doing a selfie with this guy. Like, you know, like, I take selfies with all kinds of people I don't know. You know, like, like what is it? You know, he did complete rejection of, of I don't even know this guy. People are like, no, I've seen you together. I don't even know this guy. Hmm. That's a devastating blow in any relationship. But Jesus didn't quit on Peter. And Peter didn't quit on Jesus. You may have rejected Jesus too. And he hasn't quit on you either. You might be here this morning and be like, you know what? I totally walked away from my faith. I, I rejected God. At I, I, I one time I said I'm following him and I've walked away. Listen, Jesus hasn't quit on you. He hasn't quit on you. See, this is why this relationship is so important. You can't just do this with anyone. You can't. Time served is not the qualifier for inner circle. Well, I've just been friends with them since I was in middle school. That could be a good relationship, but that's not the qualifier for your inner circle. Are they, are they challenging you and calling you on your potential? Are they saying this is the God purpose in your life? Are they willing to stand with you in prayer? Are they willing to go through the hard times with you, all the ups and the downs, the disappointments, the, the lefts and the rights? You see, when you go to your friends who aren't believers, who aren't on the same page with you, who aren't LinkedIn, who aren't on the same platform, headed in the same direction. When you go to them for advice, you are looking to them and their feelings and their opinions on what they think about the situation. filtered through their life experiences of what they think has worked and has not worked. But when you stand with somebody who is a follower of Christ, they now open the scripture and they say, it doesn't matter what I think and what you think. It's what matters what God thinks, right? And so if I'm pursuing God and I'm pursuing this, then I need a friend who's going to say, I'm going to set aside my personal opinions and my personal experiences. Let's look to the scripture and see what God has to say about this situation. Listen, you can't just do this with anybody, it has to be somebody who is li- linked up with you. The Bible talks about this and calls it, don't be unequally yoked. Like like, like oxen, If you, it's a picture of, of the oxen being yoked together with the big thingy that holds the necks in place. I don't know, I'm an indoor guy. And so... But I have this picture in my head of like this little like itty-bitty skinny cow and this big old fat cow and, and like the fat cow trudging along and the itty-bitty cow's like feet like, you know, dangling. <laughs> and that, that's a picture I always get about unequally yoked. But, but even more importantly is this is what if they're the same size and, and one wants to go left and one wants to go right. There's going to be a whole lot of tension there that's going on. And somebody's going to win. And who's influencing who and and to what direction are they going to? You see, if you're headed this way and they're headed this way and you're compromising in the middle, listen, they're holding you back from the purpose that God's put on your life. You've got to become yoked with people who are going to encourage you into the purposes of God for your life. You can't just do this with anyone. Your inner circle will love you enough to challenge you, to challenge who you used to be. Your inner circle will challenge the Simon part of you. They will challenge that part of you while giving you the grace to become who you're supposed to be. They will challenge the Simon while giving you the grace to become the Peter. Who in your life is doing this for you? Spouses, this is really important. You have got to give your spouse not just the call of don't be Simon, but enough room and enough grace and enough support to be the Peter. You've got to be able to do that as a spouse. And so many times we don't see the progress that we want to see. You don't see the progress you want to see in your spouse. And they still leave the dishes on the counter when the dishwasher is literally 12 inches below the counter. That, that's, that's my fault, just so you know. yeah. But I, I'm the guy that, that I, I will rinse it out and set it there. Why won't I open the door and put it? I don't even know. Amber doesn't know, but, but I won't do it. But, you know, if she, if she were to keep calling me on that in a harsh and demeaning way, she may not see the progress that she wants to see in my dishes experience here, right? But what about the character qualities that are in your spouse? What about the other things that are in your spouse? What about the, your spouse has been talking about starting that business for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and you're frustrated because they won't step out of the boat and do it? That was Peter too, by the way. And and so you've got this this thing. Is your spouse willing to give you enough grace and enough support to become what God has called you to be for the purpose that God has put in your life? You see these toxic relationships where where they're constantly harping on each other. And they end up getting divorced and they go their separate ways. And then you see each other five years later and they're like, man, they're doing really, really good. What's going on? (laughs) They got away from you. Are you holding hostage? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That was awkward. So are you holding your spouse hostage? (laughs) Sometimes the truth hurts, right? Are you holding them hostage for something (laughs) that happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20? Did something happen 20 years ago in your marriage and in your relationship and you're still holding them hostage for that? You're not letting them get past the Simon part of their life. You've got to give them the grace to get there. You need people in your life who will know you in your past and in your worst moments and still call out the potential and purpose in their life to keep moving forward. Don't give up on godly relationships. Don't give up on godly relationships. So I have three questions for your inner circle. Three questions. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. Because I want you to think about this and be able to answer this. Not to me, but just to yourself. Number one, your inner circle, who are they? Jesus had three. If you are lucky enough to have three people in your inner circle, you can count yourself blessed. Your inner circle isn't going to be 15 or 20. You'll have 15 or 20 friends, but, but who's your inner circle? Number one is who are they? Not just their name, you might want to write that down at some point, who are the names, but who are they really? What's their character like? Who are they? Number two is this, whose are they? What do they belong to? Who do they belong to? What has captured their attention? Whose are they? What are they about? What are they pursuing? You know, we're all a slave to something. We are. What consumes your thoughts? What consumes your inner circle of friends' thoughts? Are they just thinking about getting more money to buy that Lambo? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Are they thinking about, well, if I can just get to 168,000 likes or fans on Instagram, right? Like, can I just get, like, am I just trying to become famous? Am I just trying to get more money? Am I just trying to get more power, more influence? Or, or what's consuming them? Am I just trying to find that right relationship the, in my love life to be able to find this? If you single people, Like, what, what are your inner circle, what are they chasing? Maybe, maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's they're chasing beauty or, or, or something else. What are they chasing? What are they slave to? What is it that consumes their thoughts? We're all a slave to something. You get the freedom to choose what it's going to be to. That's the freedom. The freedom in Christ is you get to choose what it is that you're a slave to. I would challenge you to say, what is your inner circle? Who are they? Whose are they? What do they belong to? What consumes their thoughts? What do they talk about all the time? That gives you an insight into what they are, who they are. And where are they taking you? Is there a destination in this relationship? Or are you on a bridge to nowhere? Is there a destination in this relationship? Or are you on a bridge to nowhere? You see, God wants our relationships to go somewhere. In order for them to go somewhere, we need to be connected, synced up with the right people. If you have the right someone in your life, you're going to be going somewhere. We are relational creatures. As human beings, we just crave relationship with other people. You know... For most of my life, I've had this friend who I have to say, for most of it, I was not intentional about building this friendship. It just happened, it was just there. It was one of those things like time served. But see, the difference in this relationship and others is that it was a godly relationship. I got to say, God blessed me with somebody in my life who was a friend. Who I didn't choose, I didn't pursue, I didn't cultivate this relationship. God put this person in my life. When I was a teenager, he was my youth pastor. His name is Jeff Lance. We've been friends for 27 years. 27 years. Who holds the sit down and shut up card in your life? Oh, Jeff has that one, and he's played it a handful of times. And I'm glad that he has. When I was a teenager, I was getting involved in some illegal activity and, and he played the uh, sit down and shut up, son. We got to have a conversation card in, in my life. And he, he helped me all the way through these different things. You see, he's a guy that has called out my potential and my purpose and called me to keep doing things in a more godly way. Whenever I start to veer off and start to think of the different things in my life and start to go different ways, there's times where I just start to just the smallest drift. I haven't drifted into, you know, crazy sin or anything, but, but the smallest drift that starts to happen, he's one of these guys, and I don't even know if he knows he's doing it. He just says a little word because it comes out of him just so naturally that he, he says something, and immediately I'm like, I, yeah, you're right. I got I to gotta adjust. I got to adjust. He'll just say one little phrase, and I'm like, oh, man, that, yeah, you're right. That, that's right. You need to have those people in your life. Developing quality friends is intentional. Sometimes you accidentally have somebody in your life, but over the last few years, it's been an intentional thing to try to connect and to build the relationship. I'm telling you that, that you have to be able to find those people, identify your inner circle, and develop those relationships. It might be time for all of us here to do a friend-inventory. Friend-inventory, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, yeah. You see, in Proverbs 27, 19, in fact, if the band would come, I'm going to wrap up now. In Proverbs 27, 19, it says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The kind of friend you are is the kind of friend that you're going to attract. Are you that kind of friend in somebody else's life? Are you that inner circle friend? And in Proverbs 27, it says, iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. You see, friends are a force that causes either positive or negative inertia. Friends are like an elevator, and they're, they're going to take you up and they are take you down, but they're not going to leave you the same. If you find yourself struggling in your walk, if you find yourself trying to follow the Lord, but, but you're finding some hesitation or you're finding some resistance, do you have the inner circle of friends that's going to help you get past that moment in your life? Do you have that person that's going to encourage you? When you start to drift, are they going to speak and say, hey, hold on, pull on back in here? I want to challenge you today that you need to find those people and intentionally put them in your inner circle. You might need to have a conversation with them. If they're here in the church and they've heard this message today, you can easily say, hey, I'm doing a friend inventory, and I'd like to add you to my inner circle. Now, if you do that somewhere else, they're going to be like, you're weird. (laughs) Don't do that to anybody random. So as I close, I'll wrap with this. You've got your three questions. So I want you to do this. I want you to analyze. I want you to think about it. In your inner circle, who are they? Whose are they? And where are they taking you? Where are they taking you? Church, will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much that you modeled what it looks like to have an inner circle. God, I thank you that you modeled what it looks like to have those around us who are, who are calling us into a greater places. God, I know that you call to our potential so that we might achieve our purposes. But God, will you surround each and every believer around us today with people who will call into our potential so we can achieve our purpose. God, you have a purpose on our life, and God, you have designed us to be relational people and to do this in community. So God, help us to find those people and to be those people to each other, God. Help us to find the one or two, or if we're so lucky, maybe even three people in our inner world that can help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's sing one last song before we leave. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son.